Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm your host, Michael Abramson, and today we're going to talk about how the U.S. Senate functions, how a bill becomes a law, the filibuster, the cloture motion, budget reconciliation, and finally, the nuclear option. So the first question is, how does a bill pass the Senate? It's actually a two-step process. The first process, which is called voting to attain cloture, requires a vote of 60 votes. And then the second, which is the vote on the bill itself, requires a simple majority of 51 votes. So this process of attaining cloture, this is actually Rule 22 of the Senate, and it is a process for cutting off debate. And it was instituted so that debate on bills would not go on and on, and you'd never really have a debate or you never have a vote on the bill. So you'll often hear the, hear the word filibuster being thrown around, that the Senate or certain people want to get rid of the filibuster. And what the filibuster is, when they, they talk about it this way, they're referring to the process of the cloture vote being 60 votes. They want to reduce that cloture vote down to 51 votes, a Senate, which would be a simple majority. What a filibuster really is, is when senators get on the floor and talk for hours and hours on end to prevent the vote on the bill from happening. And the most recent examples of filibusters have been Ted Cruz and Rand Paul um, objecting to bills most recently for, and they spoke for hours on end. But when they, when we hear discussion in the media about getting rid of the filibuster, that means getting rid of that 60 vote threshold required to attain cloture by Senate Rule 22. There are two processes to get around this 60 vote cloture requirement, and they are called budget reconciliation and the nuclear option. And we've heard budget reconciliation discussed many times lately, especially in context of President Biden's proposed reconciliation bill. And this is because reconciliation only requires 51 votes, which of course the Democrats would have if all 50 senators voted for the bill and then Vice President Harris broke the tie and had 51 votes. So budget reconciliation was a process created by the budget Congressional Budget Reconciliation Act of 1974, in which legislation only requires a simple majority of votes, that would be 51 votes in the Senate, for passage if the bill satisfies two requirements. First, it must concern tax, spending, or the debt limit, and it must follow the specific procedure established by the Congressional Budget Act of 1974. And this Procedure is threefold. First, Congress passes a budget resolution. Second, the budget resolution mention the a- mentions the area which needs to be addressed. And third, the committee or committees pass a bill out of committee which deals with the area in the context of tax, spending, or debt relief. Budget reconciliation wasn't designed as a way to get around this 60 vote requirement, it was really only meant to be dealt with these minor budgetary issues, but it's sort of morphed over time. Now, it's not used for every bill because of what's called the Byrd Rule, passed or named in honor of Senator Robert Byrd, which states that budget reconciliation cannot be used in six areas. That would be measures with no budgetary effect, those that worsen the deficit when a committee has not achieved its reconciliation target, 
those that are outside the jurisdiction of the committee that submitted the title or provision, those that produce a budgetary effect that is merely incidental to the non-budgetary policy change, those that increase deficits for any fiscal year outside the reconciliation window, or measures that recommend changes in Social Security. And this bird rule limits the budget reconciliation process so that the closure rule, which is 60 votes, and the Senate will retain the 60 vote requirement as part of its regular order. The other method to get around the 60 vote closure rule is what's known as the nuclear option. And the nuclear option is based on rule 20 of the Senate, which states that the majority of the Senate, or 51 votes, can overrule the decision of the presiding officer of the Senate. The nuclear option is a six-step process. First, the majority leader raises a point of order and states that to achieve closure for the area in question, which in the past has been nominations, that it only requires a vote of 51 votes rather than 60. The minority, of course, objects, and the chair of the Senate, in consultation with the parliamentarian, states that according to Rule 22 of the Senate, closure requires 60 votes, which it does. The majority leader appeals this decision, and then it goes to the entire Senate based on Rule 20 of the Senate. And on this vote of the appeal, the majority of the Senate says, oh no, cloture only requires 51 votes, so they overrule the chair. And since 51 votes are only needed to get cloture at this point, they get cloture and then they vote on the bill. This process, of course, seems really silly because everyone knows that 60 votes are needed for cloture. I like to think of it in terms of analogizing it to a football game. So let's say the score is the offensive team is down by three points. At the end of the game, they kick a field goal and they really want, they make the field goal. And of course they want to win the game. So they decide that the field goal is worth four points rather than three points, even though everyone in the stadium and on both teams knows that the field goal is only worth three points. The nuclear option has really only been used two times. The first was on November 21st, 2013, when the Democrats used it in order to pass the nomination of Judge Patricia Ann Millett to the District of Columbia Court. And the Democrats said at this point, well, only a nuclear option can be used for getting judges to be nominated to the district to the district court or the Court of Appeals and not the Supreme Court. Then on April 6, 2017, the Republicans used it, and they used it to for the nomination of Justice Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. And they basically said, well, if the Democrats did the nuclear option for 2013, they can't just limit it to district court and appellate judges. We're going to also extend it to Supreme Court justices. So where we stand now is that the nuclear option has only been used in the cases of judicial nominations, and we'll see if it's used ever in legislative matters. That remains to be seen. I look forward to speaking with you next time on Advancing the Agenda.